think it's interesting that in the church today, so many of us ask, why is prayer necessary? And we don't ask it, but we really don't show with our lives that prayer is necessary. And so we show with our lives that we're asking, why is prayer necessary? You know why I think we ask that question? Because you don't need prayer when you're watching TV. And we don't need prayer when we're mindlessly surfing the internet. You don't need prayer then. You don't need prayer when there's nothing at stake in your walk with Christ. You don't need prayer when there's no risk in Christianity. You don't need prayer when Christianity consists of a monotonous religious motion of routine week in and week out. You don't need prayer for that. You can do that on your own. But when you risk everything to glorify Jesus Christ, you need prayer. When you sacrifice your possessions and your dreams and your hopes and your career and you lay it all in line and you stake your reputation down on your allegiance to Christ, you need prayer. When you're longing day in and day out is to lead people to faith in Christ. You need prayer. You rely on prayer. You are desperate for prayer because you're devoted to His mission. And when the aim of your life is to affect as many people with the gospel of Christ for the glory of Christ, you will find yourself given over to prayer. Friends, we as a church are desperate for prayer. You, as a parent in your home, are desperate for prayer. You, as an individual, seeking to bring home an income every week, you are desperate for prayer in your workplace, in your personal life, and through all your interactions with others. At least, that's a true statement, but maybe it's not felt true by you. Or maybe it is. Maybe you're here today and you're like, that's so true, because there is no way forward for me through some of these challenges except by God's hand moving to change things. And you've tried all different kind of angles to make things happen. And you're now finally at that place of desperation. That quote comes from a guy by the name of Platt who actually heads up the mission's work for the Southern Baptists around the world. He's written a book called Radical. And if you want to have your world knocked, you can read Radical. But can you imagine... That kind of passionate appeal week in and week out before his church. Friends, we are desperate for prayer because we are desperate for God's hand to work. We talked about prayer last week and we said, do you really believe that prayer moves the hand of God? Or is it just sort of something that's sort of therapeutic? Oh, it's nice to pray. God's there. But do you really believe that prayer moves the hand of God? Have you answered that for yourself this week? I'll be honest, there's times in my life where I'm like, yeah, man, prayer moves the hand of God. Let's get at it. Let's get on our knees. Let's join together with others. And then there's other times where I think it doesn't even get past the ceiling tiles, right? We're humans. Last week we looked at 
three Old Testament guys, Elijah, Hezekiah, and Daniel. Elijah, who prayed for it to stop raining and then to rain again for a long period of time, and it, it happened. And Scripture said he was a man just like us. But that Scripture also says that the, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Daniel. Daniel prayed and prayed for a long period of time and no answer came. And then he found out that his prayer had been answered from day one. But uh, his answer was held up in the spiritual realm by some prince of darkness. And another angel came to reveal to him that his prayer had been answered. And God saw him as highly esteemed. And Hezekiah, my goodness, the guy was arrogant. We talked about him. He, he, he was going to die. The, the deathbed, everything was happening. And, and he prayed that he would get some more life and he prayed for 15 more years, and he got 15 more years. Prayer does move the hand of God, but many times we don't feel like it does. And so sometimes we get in these states of life where prayer really, it's not only that it's not a desperation, it's just not even there. How many times when you pray, like the guy up front says, let's pray, we bow our heads and we pray, and your mind just scatters everywhere, right? It's common. We're scatterbrained people. A lot of activity going on. But I want us to call together us as a church and for you in your home that prayer would be front and center and that we begin to afresh not only study and learn about prayer but to practice prayer and let God unfold prayer before us as this deep intimate communion with Him and for us to participate with Him as we looked at last week in the governing decisions of the universe because He's allowed us to come into His conference room table and He says, what do you want? And so we get to come in. And we get to plead what we believe is on our heart for the good of ourselves and others and for the world. And I want us, as we walk through this fall, to be a people that's more desperate for prayer. Because this is a desperate place we're at in our world. And maybe you're at a desperate place in your life, even here this morning. I want to start off with a story of Jesus. I don't know if you've ever come across this one, but this one makes me scratch my head a little bit. In Matthew 17, it says this. When they came to the crowd, the disciples traveling with Jesus here and around, a man approached Jesus, verse 14, and knelt before him. Lord, have mercy on my son, he said. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often fails, falls into the fire or into the water I brought him to your disciples, but they could not heal him. Jesus. Do you think he hung his head, shook his head? <laughs> oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of the boy. And he was healed from that moment. Then the disciples came to Jesus in private. <clears throat> Hey, Jesus, yeah, uh, why couldn't we drive out that demon? And he replied, because you have so little faith. I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. The reason that one baffles me is because I have yet to see somebody pray for a mountain and it be moved. 
Sometimes when I go to the beach, I'd like to pray for the mountain in this direction to be moved so I could just go straight to the coast through OC, right? Anybody been praying for that one? What do you mean, Jesus? Because I'm, I'm desperate for prayer and I pray, but things don't happen. Why couldn't we heal that boy? And Jesus looks at him and says, your, your faith issue. There's a faith issue going on. And you, you have to believe when you pray and not doubt. If you have the faith as small as a little mustard seed, and you know how small that is, right? If you like beef and cheddars from Arby's, it's that little seed that gets stuck in your teeth. If it's that small, you got that little faith, all right? You can move a mighty mountain. Hyperbole or whatever God is saying, Jesus is saying that through the power of God, things can shift and change. And trust me, for a hardened, disobedient, arrogant heart to be turned around in favor of loving and serving the God of the universe, that is a greater miracle than for a mountain to be moved. And many of you are praying for a mountain to be moved in the life of another individual. Or maybe there's some change in your own heart. The faith element comes into play. It's not your faith that changes things. But God acts through the servant whose heart is open in faith to believe and trust that boots on the ground, he can change the trajectory of the events and the courses around you. And so when you pray, pray with full faith, not in who you are, or how fancy your words are, that doesn't matter. Disciples got in trouble for going and, and just reiterating prayers. The religious people did. Jesus was like, no. Realize who's in control, where your faith at, and that faith is critical for seeing change happen. So when you pray, don't be wimpy. Don't try to bail God out. Well, God, maybe, I don't know. Here's a good idea. I'll just sort of throw it up. Seek God. And if you believe this is something that would glorify him, then pray with faith that he would act. Now, I think our desperation for prayer could be moved a long distance if we just realized that he was there with us in our prayer time, listening and acting on our behalf and willing through his spirit to move out. So I can sit down here by Herb. So I can sit here by Herb. Now, Herb, he just woke up. So, Herb, did you have a good week? I did. Got plans for this next week? I do. You do? It's not Cabo, though, is it? It's not Cabo. That's a nice vacation you had, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. That's good. Herb, uh, I want to have you do something for me this week. Will you do it? Sure. You don't know what I'm going to ask. That's a crazy way to ask. You're a pastor in front of all these people. Sure. I'll do my best. Well, I'll let you. I'll let, I just want you to do one thing for me. Okay. I want you to pray this week. All right. Pray for whatever God lays on your heart. All right. Now, you're good now. You can relax. You. <laughs> Now you got a Zeus Pacific shirt on. That's cool. That's good. All right, listen. I just sat down, put my arm on the back of Herb, and we started to talk. I know he did something this last week. I know he's going to be doing something this next week. 
I could ask a request of him. I could ask all kinds of things. That is a relationship. I have a relationship with Herb. Herb is a real person to me in my life. I can call Herb on the phone. I could go meet with Herb. Herb and I could go take off and, and help with a project somewhere and encourage somebody together. Herb is a real person. Is Jesus a real person to you? Or is, you, is your prayer just sort of, oh, I hope, hope wherever that spirit's blowing today, God way out there, just, just uh, here's, here's a prayer. No, when you go in your prayer, your war room, you sit down with Jesus through His Spirit. He's in the house with you. And you say to Him, this is my heart. I want to know what you've been up to. What are you planning on doing? And, and here's some of my life. Let's interact and let's have this relationship. And when you pray, would you please not just pray to the great God up in the sky, the big coach in the air. Ugh. Pray to Jesus like the disciples prayed to Jesus. And Jesus will teach you how to pray. He will teach you how to pray with faith. He will teach you how to pray with confidence. He will teach you how to be broken in prayer, to be desperate in prayer. Friends, this is a relationship deal that we've got to get a hold of with prayer. And until Jesus becomes that real to you, I'm concerned that we won't see things happen for the glory of God. I exhort you to know that prayer moves the hand of God. And prayer moves the hand of God because Jesus is your intercessor. He came to be the intermediary, to hear your quest and see those things go into action. And the prayer offered in faith can make the sick person well. The prayer offered in faith can move a mighty mountain, even if it's the size of a mustard seed. It's not your faith. It's the person that you're connected with and the power that he has to make things change. And many of us, we grow weary in our prayers and sometimes we go, hey, hey, well, why, why carry on? You keep at it and you keep at it. Now, I want to talk to you this morning about this failing in prayer that starts to happen with us. I think in part it happens because Jesus is not real to us. But I think many times prayers go unanswered and we become weary in well-doing when it comes to praying and interceding. Because we're like, oh, I could go through a whole list of things. This, this, and this, and this, and this. That didn't happen. I prayed. Must not work. That happens to me. It happens to me every week. In fact, recently, a couple of weeks ago, my wife came to my office and, and she said, hey, I just got word here about somebody who has a job opportunity and we've been tracking this for a while. And she said, you know, this opportunity looks great and, and, and we really should pray. And I was tired of this person not having the job. And, and I felt from the information I got, this is right front and center. So my wife and I, right in our, we prayed. And I, I didn't do a wimpy prayer. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to pray in faith and understand anything. And so I, I walked into the boardroom of God with my wife. We're praying in my office. And I said, Jesus, get this person this job. And you change the heart of whoever is trying to hire them to say yes. Because this person would be great at this job. And we're not, we're not him on around. We're not praying, oh God, if it be your will. We've done that before. We want to say it's, your will, God, we believe this is right. And so we prayed hard. person had the interview. And word had come back that they were down to the last two. And then word came that they didn't get it. 
So what do you want to do then? You sort of just want to kick the chair and say, forget it. Why didn't you hear my prayer, man? We prayed in faith and confidence. We were right there. The prayer, it's going to happen. And it doesn't happen. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, but I think all of us will be right there. Well, in those moments, you have one of two directions you can go. You can start to become more numb to prayer and interceding. Or you can learn and you can grow closer and deeper into the bosom of God and what He intends for us in this whole world of prayer. So, with that thought in mind, I'd like to give you something that I heard a number of years ago that has been very helpful for me when it comes to unanswered prayer. Maybe you've heard parts of this before. I think it would align with things that you've heard before. But the way that it's phrased has been so extremely helpful for me in those times of doubt and frustration and disappointment. God, why didn't you answer my prayer? Prayer moves your hand. How many people? How many situations? Lord, you've not come through on. Here's the adage. And we're going to go through each part of this. But it's simply this. If the request is wrong, God will say no. If the timing is wrong, God may well say slow. If you are wrong, and how many times is there something that needs to change in our life, God will say grow. But if the request is right and the timing is right and you are right, then God's probably going to say, let's go. And so when I have this unanswered prayer, I go through each of those things. And the first is this. If the request is wrong, God will say no. I just love the stories of Jesus because, man, he just had a bunch of rookies he was trying to train, just like me, over and over again. Some of you are familiar with the, the, the transfiguration. It, it happened on a mountain. Uh, Jesus went up. He had his closer disciples, Peter, James, and John with him. And they're up on this mountain. And the glory of God descends on Jesus in all of his glory. I mean, Jesus was God himself, came in the flesh, right, walked among us. But he's ascended back to the Father. And, and so they got this little glimpse of what Jesus is like in his full glory. And so they're up on this mountain. The full glory of God comes down, and Moses and Elijah show up with them, right? And the disciples are just awestruck. Wow, this is the real world. Yeah, this is the real spiritual world dimension. And wow, and Peter, good old Peter. Hey, I got an idea. This is my request, Jesus. Let's just build a bunch of huts and tents here and stay up here all the time in your glory. Jesus looks at him, drops his head, shakes it. He says, no, no, Peter. There's people down in the plain in the valley that need need us. Really? Or you hear the story about the disciples, they were going to go through Samaria, and and the Samaritans or whatever heard that they were going to Jerusalem, whatever, and they shut the idea down. They said, no, no, you can't. You can't come through here. 
And the disciples were sort of taken back by that whole thing. What do you mean we can't come through here? He said, you can't come through here because, well, we just don't want you traveling in, in this direction. And so the disciples got a little peeved. Jesus, you want us to call down fire from heaven on these people and just burn them? Jesus like, what? You know, I didn't come to torch people. I came to transform people. I mean, what are you thinking here? Where did that request come from? All right? Or, or, and the two disciples that were trying to approach Jesus about, hey, hey, in heaven, can we have the seats on either side of you, man? You're sitting right there. and We want to be on this side and the other one on that side. What do you think, Jesus? Huh? And Jesus is like, no, no, no. Do you think Jesus says no, no, no to you sometimes, shaking your head? No, No, the request is wrong. No, the request is wrong. This is some of the the screening of the requests that I do when I pray. Is this request self-centered or God-centered? Now, sometimes this is hard. I want my friend to come to know Jesus and for his life to be turned around. So he can go with me to church. We can hang out. We can talk. We have fellowship. A fancy church word. And we can just, you know, enjoy our Christian life together. No. I, I, I would, you know, that's all right. But Jesus says, I want him to come to know me. Because I created him. I died for him on a cross. I want him to be in relationship with me. I want his life to bring glory to me. So I need to pray, Jesus, not self-centered, but God-centered prayers. Yes. This verse in 1 John 5, 14 says this. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked for. And what's the key phrase there? If we ask anything according to his will. Now, this is where the rub is a little bit. So like I'm praying for this person to get a job, right? And you could be wimpy and say, oh, God, if it's your will for them, we would probably pray. Well, because of my relationship with Jesus, I can sit down with him. I can talk to him in the boardroom. And Christ dwells within me. And um, there's sometimes I feel so burdened and passionate that I really believe that this would be the will of God and that God would be glorified through this. All right. And so when I pray, I pray in the will of God. But that does not cause me to be wimpy saying, "Eh, maybe, maybe not 50 50. I don't know. No, if you're seeking God and, and you really want him to be glorified in it, then pray boldly as if it's in your will. Hezekiah, I'm sure when Hezekiah prayed, I go, really, I'm dying. Can you help me out here a little bit, God? He said, I want 15 more years. He prayed with a stern belief that that which was on his heart was of God. All right? Now, sometimes when we pray boldly, we don't hit the mark with God's will. But that should not deter us from being bold. To be desperate in prayer. If it's not answered, then I usually remind myself of Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55 verse 8 says this. 
My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than yours and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And so what I do in that moment then is I just defer. They didn't get the job. Okay. Okay. And it's not I'm walking around with a grudge in my spirit against God that week. Doggone you. You didn't come through for me. You let me down again. I'm not going to talk to you all week. <laughs> and we do that sometimes, don't we? I say, no, I don't know, man. Your thoughts, your ways are above my ways, and I just defer to you at this point. So the request is critical. And the request, you need to make sure that the request is centered on God and not centered on yourself. So if the request is wrong, God will just say no. But the second one is if the timing is wrong, God May well say slow. If you're a parent, it's it's just almost predictable. I don't know of any parent that has not had this happen to them. You head out on a trip and you have little ones. It's 500 miles and you're about 20 miles into it. And what do you get from the back seat? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? No, we're not there yet. Another half hour. Are we there yet? Are we there? You know, my kids dial in. What, what time do you think, Dad? So we make it a contest. I think it's going to be about this time. And then we just sort of all have fun with that time that whoever wins, right? You were wrong, Dad. Uh, I was right. I got there earlier, right? But that are we there yet? See, it, was just, it just rolls off your tongue as a parent. Are we there yet? Guess what? It doesn't stop when you're a kid. We adults, we do the same thing. Is it about time, God? Come on. Hello, God. Are, are we there yet? Is it going to happen yet? Huh? Huh? Do you think God sort of gets annoyed with us sometimes? He probably doesn't because he's much more gracious than I am. But sometimes I want to turn around and say what? No, we're not there yet. Shut up. Right? <laughs> try not to do that because I, I try to be. Sometimes I have. That's <laughs> what happens when you're a pastor and you've got kids from your own life sitting in the room. <laughs> if the timing is wrong, God will say slow. I won't go into it, but there's different times in my life I've thought, surely now, God. Surely now. And God hasn't said no. He just says slow, wait. Wait, and this is going to play its way out. i got some other moving pieces here that I'm trying to work with. You don't really don't know about them, but it's, it's going to happen. Some other things are going to be impacted. Some other people are going to be able to, to be encouraged. And, and there's a timing issue here. And so sometimes when that request comes back, it's like, no. It's, it's just about the timing. And um, I need not to be like the little kid in the back seat. I need to trust in the sovereignty of God because there are things that he is uh, wanting to do, things that he's wanting to change. It goes back to that Isaiah 55 passage. His ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. And I just need to be disciplined. Maybe there's something else that God is trying to work on. Maybe he's trying to create some character in me or some endurance or some other kinds of things. And, and I start to see then that it applies to the third aspect. 
And this one's sort of a sobering statement. If you are wrong, God will say grow. If you are wrong, God will say grow. It's really easier to point a finger at God for not answering our prayer. It's easier to do that than it is to look in the mirror and say, what is this about me? Why am I so anxious and driven for that to happen in my life? Or why is it that that bothers me so much? And let the Lord examine you in life, in your prayer life. Let him become sort of the, the, uh, the flashlight of your soul to be able to draw out things through the very requests that you may have. I trust, and I'm not saying, hey, you know, put on the Jesus smile, get the Jesus agenda out there, and just be old, holier than thou kind of thing, right? But there is something to be said about growing in the maturity as it relates to what your prayer requests are. That quote that was let off by the gentleman who says we need to be desperate for prayer. If you were to listen to the full message of him, he's desperate that God would change the world. And is our prayer self-centered or God-centered? And could it be that the answer is not coming on this request because I need to examine my life and see that my life is focused on the things of earth rather than the things of eternity. Lord, change my heart. Now, I'm not saying by that that there aren't desperate needs that are in your life this very hour. It may be the husband you've been praying for that won't stop drinking. It may be the job that you can't seem to grab a hold of. It may be a family situation that is hopelessly broken and it's really now starting to affect the next generation of kids. It may be a mountain that you really believe needs to be moved, but it's just not moving. God cares about your personal needs and we're told in Scripture to bring all of our needs before the Lord. Cast all your cares upon Him. In everything, by prayer and petition, bring your request to the Lord, yes. But is there something in the things I'm praying for or how I'm going about praying or the reason I'm praying for it that really reflects that there's some change and growth that needs to happen in my heart? Psalm 66, verse 16 says this, Come and listen, all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he did for me. This is a great song. For I cried out to him for help, praising him as I spoke. If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. But God did listen. He paid attention to my prayer. Praise God who did not ignore my prayer or withdraw his unfailing love from me. Now, what's the key line in that verse? I think it's verse 18. If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Could it be could it be that God is not listening to your prayer because there is sin that you are still willing to coddle in your life? Ooh. Can you move off this point? Let's get it wrapped up, Carrie. Maybe what's wrong with your prayer is you're wrong. Could that possibly be? 
That's why it's important when you pray not only to speak words, whether silently to God or out loud in your war room or wherever, but you need to listen. You need to listen. The Psalms are great to listen to God. I, I read the Psalms because it's David, and David, <laughs> he, he fell when he was at the top of his life, right? Had an incredibly terrible affair. But David comes back and he cries out to God. Cleanse me. Purify me from my sin. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me, he says. And, and, and you catch a psalm like this. If I had not confessed the sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. David, King David knew what it was like to have back and forth communication in the war room. And so we're lifting our petitions, but we're also just seeking to hear from him. And sometimes when we hear from him, he takes his little finger and he jabs it. Here, here, here. Oh, I don't want to listen to that. Oh, no, here. Could it be that the prayers are not being answered because God's wanting you to grow in some way? <clears throat> thought I'd call the husbands out here this morning. How about 1 Peter 3, 7? In the same way you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. Treat her as you should, so your prayers will not be hindered. What? Would you throw that one up there? Well, don't fear, husbands. It goes both ways. How we treat one another in our marriages can hinder our prayers. It says it right so front and center in Scripture. You know, in Malachi, is interesting. In Malachi, maybe you know the story. Malachi, they were bringing all these sacrifices into the temple, but the sacrifices they were bringing were the, the bad sheep, the blemished sheep, the limping sheep, maybe the ugly ones. I don't know. And they brought them in to the temple and said, here's my sacrifice to you, God. And God goes nuts. He says, what do you think you're doing? When you give an offering, just like when we give an offering, it's a sacrifice. We give off the top of our income, not the leftovers. God says, what? Why are you bringing these animals in here? I can't deal with this type of, really, hypocrisy, as he's given reference to. He's saying, after disobeying and dishonoring me, you have the audacity to entreat my favor? You've got to be kidding. You mock me with your disobedience, and without batting an eyelash, you have request and made them as full expectations of me to grant. But be not deceived. And it says this in Scripture there. God will not be mocked. But, Here's the good news. If the request is right, and if the timing is right, and if you are right, then God will very well say, let's go. Let's go. There's no longer the, hey, the no, the slow, the grow, it's let's go. And how many times I've been in that prayer closet or that time with the Lord where he's saying to me, okay, 
Okay, just wait, patient, wait. No, that's not, no, that's not a direction to pray. Uh, Carrie, here's, here's some things you need to change in your life in order to be able to help with this prayer request being answered. And, and, and we get them all lined up, and God says, all right, let's go. Let's do it. Let's make this happen. I turn our closing thoughts to the time when the disciples asked Jesus how they ought to pray. Do you remember what he told them? It's this verse, this passage. He clearly says this. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You start off with worship. Father, I acknowledge who you are. You're the supreme being. You're in control of all things in all ways at all times. Your ways are above my ways and your thoughts are above my thoughts all time. But you are holy. You are incredibly great as the creator. Oh, Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And I like the word Father. What's that telling you? Come here, son. Let's talk. Let's discuss things. Come here, daughter. Let's sit down. Our Father, you have a relationship if you're a follower of God and, and you have this relationship to say, Our Father, which art in heaven, in the spiritual realm around us, and hallowed be your name, I worship you. And then you get your focus set on your kingdom come. Kingdom refers to the reign of Christ, the reign of God in every place, beginning in our hearts. Your kingdom come about in the hearts and lives of people and ultimately, Lord, we do pray in this whole world, your kingdom come. Your will be done here on earth as it is in the heavens. And and now we just ask some petitions. Give us today our daily bread. Here's my needs. Here's my needs. Here's the needs of those around me. And here's the needs of what I believe needs to happen in and through your church and through what you desire to do here on this earth. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us then our debts as we forgive our debtors. You know, one of the areas that, that is so critical for us when it's in that grow space, the scriptures also say that sometimes people come to an altar and they pray and, and they're exhorted to get up off the altar and not pray, but to go and make reconciliation. And when you've made reconciliation with people, then you can come and you can pray. I wrestle with that in my life. I do. And say, Lord, what fully does that mean? At what level does all that whole forgiveness thing have to happen for me not to hinder prayers? Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts, our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, those who are debtors towards us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Will you pray with me? Lord, here this morning, I know there's a lot of prayers that have been offered this week with sincere, believing hearts full of faith that are in relationship with you. And Lord, you are actively working on their behalf. Lord, you do not come and change the will of other people. You've given us choice. And many times our prayer requests are because of the will or defiant will or indifferent will of others. But Lord, you can work in the hearts and the lives of those people. And Lord, I pray a heart full of gratitude that you are there, you are working. And our prayers 
are not amiss. And we've come to you with the right request. We've come to you in a timing frame we believe is important. And we've come to you with hearts yielded and surrendered to you. And we just want to see your hand move and be active. And so, Lord, we thank you that you are a God who is able to make things happen. But, Lord, today I'm also mindful that there are people who are weary in their prayers because things are not happening. Lord, may they not just give up in desperation or become scatterbrained and set things aside, but may they be intense and may they enter the war room. May they continue to plead on their knees in written form, in vocal form, in silent form, in song form, in in, uh, journaling form, however it may be, Lord, their request to you, and may they pray boldly in faith as you give them the right request in your timing in the right way to grow as an individual. So, Lord, I ask that you would encourage each and every person here today. And as we close, Lord, I pray that they would be able to worship you, worship you in the beauty of who you are, and that they would find themselves in a spirit of gratitude for those very prayer requests that they're hanging on with right now. Thanking you in advance, God, for what you want to do. In your name we pray. Amen.